The following program is proudly supported by the Community Broadcasting Foundation, cbf.com.au. Each year, more than 60 people die and more than 600 are seriously injured in fatigue-related crashes in New South Wales. Fatigue-related crashes are almost three times as likely to be fatal than crashes not involving fatigue. Don't trust your tired self. previous episodes in the Road Safety in Focus series, I had a lengthy discussion with Head of Transport Safety, Security and Emergency Management at Transport for New South Wales, Peter Dumphy, who helped us identify five key contributors to road accidents, their relevant statistics and some of the driver attitudes and behaviours that lead to these types of accidents. But we all know that the roads are not just used by drivers, nor are they restricted to small vehicles. Our roads are used by drivers of small and heavy vehicles, riders of motorcycles and bicycles, as well as pedestrians. And it's the way they all share the roads with one another that determines how many of them will return to their homes and families safely at the end of the day. So if you haven't guessed already, sharing the roads with pedestrians, riders and heavy vehicles is the focal topic. However, it's such a huge topic that it needs to be discussed in two parts. Peter, welcome back to part two of our discussion on sharing the roads with pedestrians, riders and heavy vehicles, where the focus this time will be solely on heavy vehicles. Hi, um, it's lovely again to join you and I'm very happy to talk on what is a really um, important safety topic. Thank you so much. Now, having covered pedestrian and rider safety quite extensively in the first part, let's shift the focus to sharing the roads with heavy vehicles. And just as we defined pedestrians and riders in the first part, can we start by clarifying what the term heavy vehicle covers? A heavy vehicle is defined as any vehicle or a trailer that has a gross vehicle mass, so it weighs more than 4.5 tonnes. All right, it's pretty straightforward. So it's, it's purely by weight, really, um, determines the, um, the, the, mm. the, something that's defined as a heavy vehicle. Now, having previously addressed the risks faced by pedestrians and riders due to their relatively small size and their heightened chance of serious injury or death in the event of an accident, addressing road safety issues relevant to heavy vehicles is equally as important due to the on-road risks they face because of their size and limited manoeuvrability. According to road crash statistics, what proportion of road accidents involve heavy vehicles in New South Wales? So in terms of the actual um, heavy vehicles, it is actually a small proportion but overrepresented in terms of the overall numbers of uh, vehicles that are involved in um, accidents. And we know that um, when there is a heavy vehicle uh, involved in an accident, there's a much greater risk um, of certainly of uh, 
Bailey on a serious injury yeah. uh, in terms of those. Uh, in terms of the actual overall numbers, it does vary from year to year, but we do see a regular, um, it's a decreasing number, so we are actually seeing reductions year to year in terms of the number of um, heavy vehicle incidents, but uh, again, the numbers are still um, you know, too high, really, when it comes to um, the incidence of um, serious injuries and fatalities from them, and we all um, hear regularly in the papers of um, you know, very tragic um, incidents involving heavy vehicles, um, particularly with other motor vehicles, and, um, and what can result in multiple or um, serious injuries and fatalities. Hmm. And when we're talking about the involvement of heavy vehicles in road accidents, this isn't necessarily trying to say that the heavy vehicle was at fault or caused the accident. It could be either yeah. way. That's right. Um, it could be either way. And um, I think the issue, though, with um, with truck drivers is sometimes people don't realise that there are limitations on what you can do as a truck driver in terms of accelerating and slowing down. So as a um, as a motor vehicle driver, you sometimes don't um, provide or allow sufficient space um, between yourself and heavy vehicles. Um, mm. I'll recognise um, they do need more space to actually respond the road conditions uh, and um, you need to ensure that you provide them with that room. It is um, a much greater risk, I think, of when you're driving near a, a truck and a heavy vehicle to drive too closely or to treat them like any other vehicle on the road. You do need to give them a lot more respect and a lot more uh, space in terms of avoiding collisions. Yeah. On that note, what do we know about contributing factors in the majority of accidents involving heavy vehicles. We've spoken about maybe cars underestimating what the truck can or can't do and how fast they can uh, accelerate or how quickly they can brake. What other things contribute to some of these accidents with heavy vehicles? Yeah, look, I mean, I think the key things are certainly the blind spot is a really important issue that heavy vehicles also have much bigger blind spots around them. So mm-hmm. again, people assume that they you can be seen um, by the heavy vehicle um, driver. So it is really important to take care when driving uh, next to or behind a heavy vehicle and be really aware of those blind spots um, for the vehicle. And if you can't see the truck driver's mirror, the um, truck driver can't see you. So you do need to ensure that you give the truck driver the appropriate space and you safely navigate your way um, around the heavy vehicle when uh, you're on the road. The other thing I think that contributes to it is people driving too closely, so that safe distance. And again, because of the slow reaction time with heavy vehicles, the fact that they can't sort of stop as quickly as a motor vehicle, it is really important that um, the drivers keep a safe distance. And that um, there's always that um, I suppose people try to you know, weave in and out, particularly on highways and freeways, um, as they're trying to, to get from A to B. Yeah. Uh, but again, sort of cutting in front of a, um, a truck again doesn't give them a lot of time to respond if people need to brake quickly. Uh, so again, you're putting yourself in uh, significant risk by doing that. The other thing is certainly the weather conditions. So again, you know, if um, in traffic and it is um, poor weather conditions, again, it's much harder for um, vehicles to see you. So again, you need to give them space and keep an eye on any heavy vehicles that are around you. Mm. The other areas is, um, you know, obviously we're doing a lot at um, present in terms of improving um, technology. So the more um, recent vehicles have that sort of collision avoidance technology, which does help certainly um, heavy vehicles in terms of um, being able to uh, navigate roads much 
more safely. Uh, generally, I think the key things are around blind spots, it's around safe distances and um, ensuring that you give as much space and um, flexibility for um, mm. brands to see you but also to um, be able to respond uh, to you in, uh, in, in traffic. Yeah. I think, honestly, limited visibility due to the blind spots that um, heavy vehicles may have is one that's often overlooked by drivers of smaller vehicles because they assume, I think, that this person is sitting so high up in that truck cabin or, you know, even if you're in a bus or something, that, you know, how can they not see? Yes, that's right. Well, I think what you, as a rider of a motor vehicle, you just have to be aware that um, that often, you, you know, if you're near a heavy vehicle, you will be in a blind spot, so you shouldn't assume that they can see you, um, which is why it's really important to act predictably too and not to do lane filtering around uh, heavy vehicles. Yeah. Uh, and also, just it, that is that space, so allowing enough of a buffer space uh, so that heavy vehicles do have that time to react. So we talk about a three-second uh, crash avoidance buffer. You'll see on some uh, freeways there is the diamonds which are on the road, mm. they're on the road to just remind you of what sort of distance. And often when you look at those or and you use those um, those measures, you realise that your estimation of what the you know a safe distance between cars is often a lot more um, conservative than what actually do need to. Absolutely. And even more important uh, with heavy vehicles. And I think also paying attention to those signs that a lot of yeah. trucks have do not overtake turning vehicle. There's a reason for that. It's not just there's decoration. There's a reason why you shouldn't be overtaking a turning vehicle because, again, it goes back to that blind spot. Mm. No, that's absolutely right. So, um, yeah, you certainly need to ensure that in terms of heavy vehicles that you are not overtaking um, a turning vehicle and certainly um, if a vehicle is more than 7.5 metres or longer and has a one of those signs that it's overtake the turning vehicle, uh, it's really important when they're turning left or right into the right lanes that you're not um, overtaking them. Uh, and you're avoiding the potential to be sideswiped by them as they're turning because often they will need um, two lanes of traffic to be able to turn um, those larger vehicles around. But it's absolutely mind-boggling how many times you see people doing that, thinking, yeah, I can you know, um, just pass him and then overtake him very quickly because he's slower moving and I can do it and I can make it. And then you end up seeing you know, almost a horror story unfold before your eyes. Yeah, I think that's right, and I think a lot of people just don't realise um, or don't think about it. They just sort of think, um, you know, like any other car on the road, they'll just be able to turn in their normal turning circle, but that's not the case. For their own safety and the safety of uh, truck or bus drivers, how should pedestrians and riders behave around these heavy vehicles? So we've covered other smaller vehicles and their behaviours around larger trucks and heavy vehicles, but uh, I guess the... The stakes are raised a little bit more with pedestrians and cyclists. Yeah, look, absolutely. So for a pedestrian, um, you certainly need to look out for heavy vehicles. And that may be just vehicles that are navigating the roads, but often where we do see um, pedestrian fatalities is particularly around like areas like construction sites, um, which might be in the city, um, might be in the CBD, where you know pedestrians are not necessarily looking out for heavy vehicles. But mm those trucks that are coming and going from construction sites or um, a retail site in terms of deliveries, mm. uh, 
people need to be uh, uh, alive and aware to that, particularly around loading docks and uh, loading areas, which often can be in very high traffic areas. You've got to, um, again, remember, even as a pedestrian, that um, truck drivers are, as you said before, are very high up and often will not, um, you know, not necessarily see a pedestrian. So uh, you shouldn't assume that they can see you and that they've taken a, a counted group. It's really important to be really aware of your surroundings if you're navigating areas where there, there might be um, heavy vehicles. Also, you know, if you are crossing the road, again, you need to just make sure that um, if there are heavy vehicles, you're not sort of running out in front of a, um, or, or time to chance, you know, a, a break in the traffic where there might be a, a you know, a truck. And you know, it might even seem some way away before you um, enter or try to cross the road. But as we said before, the reaction time is much slower for heavy vehicles. So, you know, if you do have an incident trim, uh, you trip over or, or fall over as you're trying to cross, it doesn't give um, a, um, a truck driver much time to respond and to, um, to take preventative actions or corrective actions. So it, it's just not worth the risk of, um, you know, um, in, in between traffic across the road and it's much safer to wait till you've got to a pedestrian crossing. But again, um, you need to, because of the reaction time the trucks, you do need to just make sure that the truck can do a, a safe stop before you access the pedestrian crossing or the, um, the traffic lights as well. Now, Peter, uh, just backtracking a little bit, are small vehicles allowed to travel in a truck or a bus lane at any time? So in terms of the truck lanes, the um, trucks, although they're a relatively small proportion of, um, of the fleet, truck lanes, which are for vehicles of over 4.5 tonnes, are included in the road rules and help with the alignment of the, the, um, the Australian road rules mm. model laws. If there is a, um, a particular truck lane, it is intended for truck drivers. People shouldn't be utilising those lanes mainly because of the safety issues too of just trying to um, to navigate smaller vehicles um, in those spaces. So uh, the truck lanes are designed for the heavy vehicles, 4.5 tonnes. And what about in terms of bus lanes? Uh, in terms of bus lanes, um, again, bus lanes can only be used for um, either buses. They can be used for taxis, uh, although not for ride chairs like the Ubers and the rest. Mm-hmm. But so taxis can use bus lanes. Higher cars can also um, use um, bus lanes, and there are some special purpose vehicles that um, can use bus lanes. Bicycles and um, motorcycles uh, can also use those um, those bus lanes as well. Mm. Other vehicles can only drive in a bus lane to avoid an obstruction that might be on the road, where there's a sign saying that they can. So sometimes there are areas where you need to merge across a bus lane to get to where you need to um, to get to and in those circumstances it's, um, it's allowable. Yeah. Uh, but certainly I think if you're driving a vehicle in a bus lane for longer than 100 um, metres, um, those details might be recorded by a bus lane camera and um, there are penalties um, for registered owners of that vehicle if, you, um, if you're caught um, by one of those bus lane cameras. Alright, so somebody wanted to say to make a, a left turn and uh, there was a, a bus lane on the far left, then mm. the only time that person would be able to drive in that bus lane is within 100 metres of them making that turn. That, that's right, yeah. Okay. And, uh, yeah. and it should only be to cross the lane to get mm. to where you need to, um, to get. And often it'll tell you where you can use the, um, the bus lane. 
But it's interesting that uh, you mentioned that hire cars and taxis, uh, bicycles and motorcycles can also use a bus lane. And you'd be surprised how many people probably don't know that. I certainly didn't. So this is quite interesting. Now, in addition to the responsibilities of other road users, heavy vehicle drivers themselves have a large role to play in ensuring their own safety and the safety of other road users. What are some of the rules and responsibilities that apply to heavy vehicle drivers? So we've spoken about what other people on the road shouldn't do around those heavy vehicles, but what are the heavy vehicle drivers themselves required to do to ensure their safety and the safety of others? Yeah, so in terms of the heavy vehicles, there are a number of um, different um, road rules for that. So certainly um, in terms of speed limits, um, they obviously need to comply with the speed limit, but mm-hmm. in South Wales there's also a maximum speed limit for um, any vehicle that's a heavy vehicle, which is over 4.5 tonnes, and that speed limit is 100 kilometres. And there's a couple of minor exceptions, but, but yeah. generally... Heavy vehicles can't travel more than 100 kilometres, regardless of what um, the, the speed limit on the road mm. is. And um, the other areas that they do have um, obligations around, are certainly there's heights and length limits to um, the vehicle, to what vehicles can um, navigate different areas. Mm. Uh, so, um, you know, there are light traffic roads which may have weight restrictions on, and again, uh, certain vehicles can't uh, access those. There are load limit signs which um, they must comply with, particularly for bridge, some bridges. And um, certainly where there are signage, the no truck sign, and the um, drivers of long and heavy vehicles are not permitted to, um, to drive on those areas. There's also obligations for heavy vehicle drivers. If the vehicle has a greater weight of 12 tonnes or so they have to carry three portable warning triangles and again that's for um, if a vehicle breaks down and you'll sometimes see on the side of the road those yeah. three portable warning triangles and mm-hmm. so, again really just to um, to ensure that if there is a breakdown that uh, the heavy vehicle is very visible to other traffic that might be on that particular road as well. Uh, in terms of um, heavy vehicles again there's controls around level crossings mm-hmm. and um, they need to so if you're at a level crossing is where you traverse a, a railway line uh, without uh, an underpass or an overpass, so you can cross the, um, the tracks. In those circumstances, the heavy vehicle just needs to, again, ensure that there is one, that they allow the extra time to clear the, the actual level crossing, mm. that they, before they commit to um, crossing a, um, a level crossing, that there is sufficient um, room on the other side for them yeah. to uh, actually be accommodated so they don't get stranded on the level crossing. Uh, and um, it's obviously really critical for them not to be trying to um, to run lights that are flashing and or boom gates. Uh, they need um, to provide as much time as possible um, to navigate those level crossings. There are also specific requirements around parking and there's um, requirements that heavy vehicles are not to stop on a length of road outside a built-up area except for the shoulder of the road. Again, there's some um, requirements around that. Um, in a built-up area, they're not to stop in the length of road for longer than one hour unless um, permitted to by a particular sign. So again, there is um, some requirements about when and where they can um, uh, park those vehicles as well. So there's quite a bit for them to comply with. Yeah, and again, there are certainly um, things that they need to be doing in terms of inspections, uh, need to be aware, and part of the requirements um, to have a license is um, to know how to navigate 
them safely, mm. and that includes um, you know how to do those wide turns safely um, in traffic, uh, and also um, be able to cross or enter an um, intersection um, in traffic as well. Again, they need to allow for um, that uh, relatively large spaces in the traffic to get across an intersection, not to um, to block up the intersection or um, to um, to block traffic when they're doing that. And like you mentioned earlier, to be paying attention to some of those height and length limits that they have, because all you have to do is kind of go and talk to a couple of those truck drivers that got caught in the entrance of the M5 tunnel, and you'll know why. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Peter, should all heavy vehicles be given priority when entering the line of traffic from a stationary position or when overtaking? Because it's kind of a bit of a, a power struggle on the roads these days between heavy vehicles and smaller vehicles. Yeah, look, um, heavy vehicles, like all drivers on the road, have um, their rights and responsibilities. And uh, certainly if they're entering traffic, they um, do not have priority over other motorists, so they need to follow the same road rules and they need to um, allow sufficient gap and space before they commit to, um, to entering into traffic. Mm-hmm. They do have some additional responsibilities, which include ensuring that there is a visibly large gap in the traffic to get across an intersection um, mm. before moving from a stationary position again they must um, signal for at least five seconds and check their mirrors and blind spots before they enter into traffic and for overtaking the same rules apply as applies to all motorists they need to do that in a safe way and um, I think um, obviously uh, it, it is important though for all of us I think when uh, we are overtaking um, heavy vehicles as well to take um, extreme care in those circumstances and allow more time to pass um, when we are um, passing um, heavy vehicles. Yeah. I think there are some differences, though, when it comes to buses, right? Because to my knowledge, when buses have their lights flashing or indicating, isn't that a time yeah. when you need to give them priority? Yeah, so if the bus is flashing and um, there is a requirement, um, obviously you need to um, yeah, to give them right away if they are going and turning into traffic. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they do have their lights flashing um, and um, they have a 40 kilometre speed sign on the back yeah. of the bus, you also need to slow down to 40 kilometres if you're um, if you're passing them. But they certainly do have um, yeah, right away in terms of turning into traffic and you need to give them that right away um, safely. Yeah. So while not directly associated with heavy vehicles, Peter, can you please explain the purpose of transit lanes and tell us what type of vehicles can travel in a transit lane? Yeah. I mean, transit lanes are also for heavy vehicles, but they're buses, so it's Mm -hmm. just a different type of um, transit lane. So yeah, buses are considered heavy vehicles as well. Uh, They are designed really to um, facilitate um, public transport um, and public passenger services. Mm -hmm. Uh, So um, freeing up so that all of us who are trying to use public transport to get from A to B can get there the quickest way possible, Mm -hmm. uh, which is why they have those transit lanes. They can be used by other vehicles in certain circumstances. So if it's a T2 transit lane, they can be used so there are two or more people in the vehicle which includes the driver. And if it's a T3 lane, they, you need to have three or more people um, in the vehicle um, during that period uh, that you're in the, um, the T3 lane. Uh, you can only drive in those T2 
and T3 lanes during the time that they specified on the sign as well. Uh, so again, there are limitations there in regard to those requirements. If you have less than the required number of people, you can enter a transit lane for a maximum of 100 metres, and that's only to enter or leave the road or to overtake another vehicle um, who might be um, making a U-turn. So limited times when other vehicles can use those things as well. But it's really designed to encourage maximum use of vehicles and um, the transit of as many people as possible. Mm. It would be interesting to find out the reasoning behind having a set number of passengers, say, in, in a particular vehicle to allow it to travel in a transit lane. It's one of those perplexing things that I think many people are still trying to figure out. Yeah, well, I think it's really designed to encourage carpooling. Mm. Uh, and, of course, the more cars are off the road, the, um, the less gridlock we have on our roads. So mm. it's really designed, I think, to free up the roads as much as possible. And, um, of course, you all see in peak hour increases yeah. traffic and only one person in each car. So, um, you know, the more we can carpool and reduce the number of cars on the road, the more we'll be able to safely and quickly get to where we need to get. Mm, interesting perspective. I realise there are many details and rules associated with pedestrians, riders and heavy vehicles that we would not be able to cover in an interview of this sort, but are still important for people to know. So, Peter, where can people get more information about the mutual rules and responsibilities of pedestrians, riders and heavy vehicle drivers? Yeah, look, there's a lot of information on both the safety uh, requirements and also the road rules uh, for New South Wales. If you go to the New South Wales government site mm. and um, up road safety rules, uh, you'll be able to find um, a wealth of information and that includes uh, there are specific handbooks for both motorists, for heavy vehicle drivers and motorcycle riders that so we have a road user handbook, we've got a heavy vehicle driver handbook, there's a motorcycle rider handbook and also a bicycle rider handbook which is all available free on the New South Wales Government uh, website. That's wonderful. Peter, what can I say? You've done it again. It took two separate sessions to cover such a huge topic, but you've answered every question I've thrown your way and given us a very comprehensive crash course on sharing the road safely with pedestrians, riders and heavy vehicles. So in my own capacity and on behalf of our listeners, thank you very much for the mammoth effort and, of course, the time you've given to this course. Thank you, Ola, and uh, again, thanks for having me on your show. It's been a great pleasure. I really appreciate it. More than 60 people die and more than 600 are seriously injured in fatigue-related crashes in New South Wales. Fatigue-related crashes are almost three times as likely to be fatal than crashes not involving fatigue. Don't trust your tired self. 